Yep, it is difficult to realize it at this time, but the Dallas Cowboys are still good and we are about to dive into the reason why. Plus, we'll talk about the latest linebacker news because the Cowboys have found somebody. Let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZsports.com. Not .com, excuse me. ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. Off to a rough start there in the intro, but what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining the show tonight. We'll talk about why the Cowboys are still good, actually. And I know it's been tough, man. And here on the show, we've actually have gone on rants over the last few days. Back on Monday, we talked about the sad reality that the Cowboys are facing, which is you're not as good as the 49ers. And the 49ers have your number. And if you face them again, they're probably going to beat you again. So I thought that was a pretty fair assessment of what's supposed to be a rivalry, yet it hasn't been for a few years now. And then we talked about the things the Cowboys needed to do to bounce back for the rest of the year. And now I thought we would change the script a little bit and kind of state state the obvious, because in my opinion, it is obvious, that the Cowboys are still a pretty good football team. And you would have a tough time to deny that because the good team assessment is not what Cowboys fans want. They want a great team. They want a Super Bowl favorite or one of the Super Bowl favorites. And I would agree that they're not that at this particular time, but they're definitely in the good tier of football teams. And I believe that 72 hours later, we can start diving into that conversation again because I have seen several people on Twitter and on other spaces like be in an Armageddon phase where the season is over, scratch everything. And man, sometimes people forget that the NFL season is 18 weeks long for the regular season and then you get the postseason and everything. That is not to say that the 49ers loss was not a huge indictment to the Cowboys because, man, it was this benchmark where, you know, you got into the game saying that it was a measuring stick game, that they needed it, that it was more than just any game, and then you get punched in the mouth, lose 42 to 10, and then you're in this situation where what needs to change you got to ask yourself what needs to change for the Cowboys to beat the Niners if they do face each other. And that's where you maybe lack some answers. But still, there's an other tier below the 49ers, right? Where you can get the good football teams or the very good football teams. And the Cowboys, honestly, are somewhere in there. And you look at the spread for the Monday night football game. And I'm not saying that the spread is the be-all, end-all, because it isn't. Sometimes the sports books are not even trying to predict what the outcome of a game is going to be. The Cowboys are road favorites versus the Chargers, who are quarterbacked by Justin Herbert, who are getting Austin Eckler back. And even in spite of the mounting injuries that the Cowboys are dealing with, 
they are road favorites. And then you look at their odds to win the conference, and we'll get into that later. And they're still seen as a good football team. I love these power rankings that Ben Baldwin puts together every single week where he kind of ranks the teams by how the betting markets look at them. So what he's trying to do is show the number of how many points a team would be favored by against a league average opponent on a neutral field. And you still get the Cowboys up there with the other contenders. As you can see, the 49ers are in absolute juggernaut status. And let's be fair, they deserve to be separated from the less, from the rest of the league. Because sure, the Chiefs have got Patrick Mahomes and they've got Andy Reid, but they have question marks that they are still answering. The Buffalo Bills are a pretty good football team, but they have question marks. Plus, they've got a somewhat of a threat within the division in the Miami Dolphins, even though they won their first game against them. You get the Eagles, who are undefeated, but still some question marks. All of those teams, which are on the second tier that you can see on the screen right now, are right below the Niners because I don't know if you have a doubt about the Niners at this point. The one question that you can have is Brock Purdy, even though he's looking good, even though he deserves all of the respect, even though we've talked about, hey, based on EPA alone, he could even be an MVP candidate, all that. uh, Some people might still question like, He's not that legit or he is not that elite QB. And yet, it hasn't mattered for his entire career so far. So the Niners are in their own league. But the Cowboys, as you can see, in my opinion, still good. In the opinion of the market, still pretty good. They are even above the Detroit Lions, who would be perhaps the other NFC contender. And we'll get into the conference odds in a little bit because Detroit does have the upper hand there. You look at what they've done efficiently wise, efficiency wise this season, still a very good defense, third best in EPA per play per Ben Baldwin's numbers. And that's even after facing the Niners, who absolutely destroyed them. And an above average offense. And the offense, I believe, is where most question marks will be moving forward which is no surprise because that's been the way it's been all season long. But you look at the Cowboys objectively, man, and they're still good. And I'm about to get into why here in a second. Before I do that, though, let me ask you in the chat, do you agree or disagree that the Cowboys are still good? Note, note, not favorites over the Niners, not great either, not perfect at all, but still one of the better football teams, especially in the NFC. One of the good teams in the NFL. Do you agree or disagree? Let me know in the chat. Toxic Tom says, disagree. Bruce says, I don't like how this team has been feast or famine this year. Either we blow teams out or we get blown out. And I I do agree with that, man. That's been frustrating. And I think it also has a lot to do with how the schedule was kind of put together and the fact that the Cardinals game was so weird. Like, it really was so weird. Uh, I will say this, though. Cardinals game was frustrating as heck, but it wasn't the same type of, you know, getting blown out. Because 
you were getting into the red zone. You were not punching it in. You had a weird turnover. So I just think it's a little bit different than what happened on Sunday night, obviously, because on Sunday night, you didn't even get to the red zone at all. So I would separate those a little bit. I don't think that the Cardinals game was a bit down, right? But but the Cardinals game certainly was. Uh, but there's something about the fact that, hey, you face the Giants, you face the Jets and the Patriots. Not a whole lot you can do about it when when that's the schedule, right? So moving forward, we are going to learn a lot about the Cowboys because you get the Chargers, then you get the bye week, then you get the Rams, the Eagles. That's a relatively rough stretch. Marcus says, I agree, it's a good team. Let's see here. Bruce says, they got to show me, Mal. They got to show me, and I understand that. John says, yes. Gregory says, yes, if they are healthy. Mando Luna says he disagrees. And let's call it about a 50-50 because I believe that's more or less where the chat is right now. Kenneth says, we've been good. We want great. And that's where the key of this whole conversation is. Here's why I believe the Cowboys are still good. And why the Cowboys can still be a winning team. Why they're likely going to be in the postseason anyways. And, you know, we'll get into the negative stuff as well. And what's keeping them from taking that next step and what has us doubting their possibilities for a Super Bowl run or something like that. But the Cowboys, looking at it objectively, they've got a top 10 quarterback in the league. The chat is not going to like this, or at least some people in the chat. But I firmly believe this. I know that the games can be so frustrating, and I know that some people will like to point out that, hey, Dak in the big games doesn't show up, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's specifically against the 49ers when the Cowboys offense in its entirety gets outclassed that we've seen Dak struggle. Now, I'm not saying that Dak is lit or anything like that because I strongly believe that he isn't. That's one of the things too. But he's still a QB that many teams would like on their starting offense. And that's why he remains the starting quarterback of Dallas. And if he wasn't in Dallas, then you wouldn't be talking about a winning team at all, probably. that That's where my money would be. Uh, but you look at some of the film, and man, there are some issues. I'm not going to say that that isn't the case. But I don't think that what happened on Sunday night should change what we think of the quarterback position. He is what he is. I understand the frustration because he is not the guy that will carry the offense when things are going south or that he will elevate the team when things aren't going south. But it's the NFL. There are only a very limited few of those. Dak Prescott isn't one of those. So I understand people who say that, hey, Dak's not going to be the guy, et cetera, et cetera. But he is the best option at hand, and he remains one of the best QBs in the league. I would put him right around the 7th to 11th range, more or less. Uh, that's where... Dak Prescott would rank for me. And then you get to those bunch of players and they're usually a very tight group. Like you could argue for my number 11 to be your number seven. And I could argue for your number 11 to be my number seven, if that makes sense. So that's where I would start. Not only that, Cowboys have a top 10 offensive line uh, right now. Potentially even top five when they are healthy. They didn't get to show 
a whole lot versus the Niners. But Tyler Smith had actually a pretty good game. You watch the replay and he's one of the bright spots. I did not feel that way on Sunday night, but watching the game with a cool head made it stand out. I think that he did have a good game. Zach Martin, even though he's dealing with injuries, even though he might not be at his career best football, Zach Martin, still one of the best guards in the league, if not the best guard, even though he's dealing with injuries and stuff. And just overall, you're not allowing a lot of pressures in the passing game. Again, Niners game is obviously very different because of everything that went south. But, you know, good offensive line for the Cowboys. I hope to see more of gap scheme runs because that feels like something that they're doing pretty well, yet not doing it enough, in my opinion. Regardless of what Richard Sherman says on TV, to me, CeeDee Lamb is a clear number one wide receiver. I was even arguing earlier this week for the Cowboys to force fit him in games like Sunday nights because to me, it's not acceptable that CD ends the night with the same number of targets as Michael Gallup and Tony Pollard. A, a wide receiver that we're talking about potentially benching, right, for Jalen Tolbert, and B, your running back. CD cannot end that game with the same number of targets. I find it quite unacceptable. And there have been some complaints about, you know, CeeDee Lamb not being targeted in certain situations by Dak Prescott, one of which happened on a play where Michael Gallup is running a slant and Dak Prescott targets him. The ball is tipped off, goes up in the air, bounces off of Gallup's hands a little bit, and boom, a la 2022, the Niners pick it off after not a drop per se, but a contested catch where the receiver doesn't keep the football. You go watch the replay, and there's a whole lot that you learn. You learn that looks like a hot route. Looks like, you know, Dak is hot off of his left side, so he's firing that play. No read. You just get rid of the football quickly. And it seems like, again, Gallup was not really fighting for the ball, and you see it very clearly on the replay. Not a new issue for Michael Gallup, by the way, but still... Pushing that aside a little bit, C.D. Lamb, still a number one wide receiver. Richard Sherman might be right about the Amari Cooper thing that he said when, when he said that, hey, if they had not let, it, uh, let go of Amari Cooper, this team would be better right now. I absolutely agree. Some people will say, get over it. To that, I'll say it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult because it's still impacting the team years later. And, and... The guy is killing it elsewhere. So it, it's kind of frustrating. Plus, it wasn't even entirely about money. It was about just what the front office wanted, which kind of sucks. And it's kind of painful to know. Uh, but they do have a number one wide receiver. And they still got Micah Parsons. If you're on the boat of people that are pissed off at Micah, I understand being upset about how Sunday night went. I don't understand trying to act as if Micah Parsons is overhyped, overblown, or not in the conversation to be the defensive player of the year. All of that makes no sense to me. It's true that at some point on Sunday night football, 
there was a graphic that came on on TV which highlighted that Parsons didn't have pressures, that he didn't have this and that. Go watch the film, and again, you find out some stuff. And you find out that every resource in many of these plays that the Niners had at their disposal was centered around either eliminating Michael Parsons from the play, going away from him, or just having an answer for number 11, play in and play out. Sometimes it was just running away from him. Sometimes it was a pulling lineman. Sometimes it was a pulling fullback and a tight end, just throwing stuff at Michael Parsons all game long to keep him away from Brock Purdy or away from whatever they wanted to do. At times, they ran at Micah, but we know, and this is not a knock on how Micah plays the run, but we just know that, hey, you can do that from time to time, and it's also needed when you're running an offense. You're trying to keep things balanced. Uh, Mike Parsons, still a beast. Defensive line-wise, the Cowboys still have one of the best units in the NFL. Good secondary as well, without Trevon Diggs even. They've got De'Ron Bland, who, in my opinion, is still balling out. So you know that the Cowboys have the talent to go out there and still win against some football teams. But I understand that it isn't what Cowboys fans necessarily want right now. And I'm right with you. Good is not enough. I'll, I'll meet you there. Of course, you want the Cowboys to take that next step, especially after you've won 12 games in back-to-back seasons. Toxic says here, and I think it's a very good and fair comment, Toxic says, we have had talent for years and never put it together. This looks like the same old Cowboys, same different toilet. And yeah, now that's kind of like the the point right now, though. What you've gotten over the last couple of years is a good football team. 12 win seasons, back-to-back years. Not trying to tell you anything that the Cowboys are not. Not trying to tell you that, hey, when the Niners... Play the Cowboys again. Just trust, like Micah said on his podcast recently. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say, still a good football team. You get to the playoffs, wild stuff can happen. Cannot act like, you know, 49ers winning the NFC Championship game is guaranteed. They might be the favorites, but one matchup is all it takes for them to go down in the playoffs and then suddenly, instead of having to play the the Niners, you're playing the Detroit Lions or you're playing the Eagles. And now all due respect to the Eagles, because right now you would have to rank them above the Cowboys easily. But they're a team that the Cowboys have bitten over the last few years with Dak on their center. So I wouldn't have the same energy towards Philadelphia that I would towards San Francisco. Because with San Francisco, I would be like, I'm not picking the Cowboys. I, I'm, I just cannot do it. I said it on Monday, and I'll stick with that. Cowboys can go 12-0 for the rest of the year. I'm still not picking them against the Niners if they end up facing each other on the playoffs. But with the Eagles, it might be different. We'll see when we get there. But they are a team that the Cowboys have been able to beat in the past. And you got to admit that it is possible. It is possible that the Niners are just better than the Cowboys and... 
they also favor match up favorably versus Dallas. Because, you know, what's the Cowboys' biggest strength? It's got to be the pass rush. Shanahan can mitigate that through scheme. He knows how to exploit their aggressiveness. He's got a defense that can fly around. So you got to have those weapons versus the Niners and the Cowboys maybe don't entirely do. So I'll agree with all that. Now, let's see some of your comments here in the chat. Marcus says, poor execution is a sign of poor preparation and a lack of accountability. And I will agree to that. Now, I'll say, I'll say this. Some of the comments right now are talking about the microphone. And with the microphone, I don't mean mine. I mean this comment right here. Eternal die nasty. Micah needs to push the mic away. I'll say several things about this before we move on. Because it's a topic that's been on my mind. I even wrote about it for adzsports.com. I don't mind Micah having the podcast, having the microphone. And I objectively think that it doesn't affect his play at all. Like, Micah was not bitten on Sunday night because he hosts a Monday podcast. That's just the reality of things. It might be upsetting for fans to see the player talking about stuff, etc. But man, I can guarantee you, and especially with a player like Micah, who prepares as relentlessly as he does, who we praise during the offseason because of the way that he talks, because of the way that he prepares, because of the work that he's putting in. You get into the season and you hear him talk and you think, man, this guy is different. We don't get to scratch all that just because he has a podcast. That he's, at the end of the day, it's business, right? Plus, he has the right to do it, of course. And we don't get to lose objectiveness there and be like, that's why he lost. Because that wasn't why he lost. You know, he's not even distracted. I mean, on the film, he's not distracted. He's not why he was getting beaten. Kyle Chenahan just put on a master class against him. And there wasn't really a teammate, defensively speaking, that stood up for the Niners to have to adjust and maybe leave Micah alone a little bit. They just kept hitting the easy answers. They just kept hitting that button that said, overwhelm Micah and then overwhelm Micah again and then for your third straight time and the Niners just kept hitting that button and hitting that button and hitting that button now that being said although objectively I cannot sit here and say Micah is being affected by the podcast I didn't agree with the way that he handled the George Kittle situation not gonna make a huge deal out of it but Man, I, I just I just don't know. Uh, Kittle shows off the F Dallas t-shirt. And I will admit it, I kind of enjoy when players channel that sort of energy. Yeah, it's unsportsmanlike conduct. Sure, he's going to get fined. Sure. It's not ideal. Sure. But we would be loving it. Had it been Micah revealing the T-shirt of F the Niners, you know, we would be eating that up. And the reason why is because we know there's a rivalry there. And we are old enough and mature enough, most of us, I think, 
to say that, hey, these players, for the most part, don't care about the 90s. They don't really care about Alvin Harper's catch. They don't care about Dwight Clark's the catch. They don't care about, you know, Joe Montana and Jimmy Johnson, Bill Walsh. They don't care about all that. Like, most of these guys, most of these players, fans care more about it because they were around for it, right? Because they cared about it. So I kind of like when a player channels that energy. And for Micah to say, oh, now it's personal and you'll see the next time. I didn't like it because I was like, this was the next time. You know, for, for you, for the Cowboys, this had to be the next time. Because you entered the game talking about how it wasn't any other game. You entered the game talking about how it was important for the team to get it. So I don't like the, the oh, now it's personal, so now you will see what's that supposed to mean. He really laid up Devo Samuel's response to be like, what do you mean? It's been personal, <laughs> right? So I'm not a fan of it. I'm not going to hate on Micah necessarily for doing it. I'm like, I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it or imply that it has any effect on how the Cowboys played on Sunday night or how they will play moving forward. But I'll also say this, like I've seen Cowboys fans be like, oh, that's so unclassy, that's so trashy from George Kittle. And I will say this, I would much rather have had Micah treat the whole thing like a rivalry and claim that it was personal and stuff instead of basically complaining about the t-shirt later. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think people have made too much out of it. I'll say that, though. How's Nelson says, personally, I freaking love Micah's podcast. I think that he's being totally genuine for the most part. False sense of reality, possibly. Oh, Micah is always genuine. Like, I've seen some criticism about what he said about the Niners not being that much of a better team. And, and some people have been like, oh, come on, that's wrong. I don't think it is. Like, sure, I had a hour-long show on Monday talking about why that was the case, why the Niners were much better than the Cowboys, and it was time to face that reality. So I clearly do not agree with Micah's assessment of the situation, but I genuinely believe, as House Nelson says, that he is being genuine, that he really does believe, hey, we are on that level. We are on that level. And when you talk about competitors at that level, that's how their mindset operates a whole lot of the time. So I, I don't think that was him being not genuine. I'll agree with that for sure. And I also enjoy, I don't tune into a lot of players' podcasts because I don't know, I they kind of bore me a little bit sometimes. Because, you know, they're being that guy. They're being competitive. They're saying some players speak type stuff. But yeah, Micah is just like having fun and just sharing his thoughts out loud. And he doesn't really care. I also enjoy that a little bit. Eternal Dynasty says, I don't like the swapping jerseys after getting your butt kicked. Take your butt back in the locker room. Okay, I'll give you that one though. I, I will agree to that. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at the odds pretty quickly before we move on to the linebacker news. 
Cowboys, where do they stand in the betting odds according to DraftKings? The Niners are the heavy, and when I say heavy, I mean heavy favorites to win the NFC Conference at plus 140. The Eagles are at plus 300. So in other words, the sportsbooks are telling us that the Niners are more than double likelier or they're two times, over two times likelier to win the NFC than the Eagles are, who are also 5-0. and That's a statement for San Francisco. And you cannot blame the odds makers for that. And then at number three, you've got the Detroit Lions. And at fourth, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, a small difference between those two. Because the Lions are at plus 700 and the Cowboys are at plus 800. Which is somewhat telling to me. And I'll tell you why. The Lions are probably playing at home when the playoffs start. Because they're likely going to win their division. And right now, the Cowboys, who are 3-2 versus the Eagles, who are 5-0, they have a significant challenge ahead if they want to win the NFC East. They are certainly not as, they're not nearly as likely as the Lions are to win their division. And still, they have almost the same odds to win the NFC. I think this is just confirmation of what we already talked about, about how odds makers Look at the Cowboys as a clearly better team than the Lions, which is a statement like, again, not to say that odds makers are always right because they are not, but they are usually better in fighting recency bias as opposed to fans. Just in a general sense, they are better in that area. However, not enough to take that for a fact or a reality. It's just something fun that I wanted to point out. Toxic Tom says it's crazy that the Lions have never won the NFC North ever. Until now, apparently. I mean, I know that it's it's uh, only week five. We're entering week six. Uh, but they, they sure seem like the clear-cut favorites, in my opinion. The Vikings have a lot of issues. The Bears are bad, man. I know that they've beaten the... They just beat the Washington Commanders and Justin Fields. He's seemingly waking up. They're trying to get him involved in the running game again with de-signed QB rushes instead of just zone reads and stuff. So the Bears can be frisky, but but uh, the, the Lions, in my opinion, are clearly the better team. And they've got quite a nice play caller in Ben Johnson. Shout out to Mike Payton from ADC Sports because he and I usually get into it talking about who would you take, Dak or Goff, He's all in in golf, and I'm all in in that, in that conversation. But yeah, it's crazy to think that. Uh, I, I agree. Because it's not that young of a franchise either. We still have time to jump ahead of all of them, says Katharina. Maybe maybe not all of them. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm for sure. But ah, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. That would be amazing, though, if it ends up happening. Now, ladies and gentlemen, though, let's get into some linebacker news because the Cowboys are set to sign Rashawn Evans, linebacker, most recently with the Atlanta Falcons, before that with the Tennessee Titans. 
and a veteran linebacker that remained available after five weeks of the NFL season? Let me know in the chat. Do you like or dislike the decision to sign Rashawn Evans? Cowboys needed somebody. They just did. They are losing Leighton Van Der Esch. Not official yet, but he is expected to go into injured reserve. They are planning on it, according to Dallas Morning News. Mike McCarthy himself said it in the pre in the press conference. He said it's a possibility. So, you know, he's headed to IR. That means at least four weeks out for Banderesh. So the Cowboys were left with Demont Clark, safety slash linebacker Marquise Bell, and Micah, who can do it all. But maybe ideally you wouldn't want him to do it all because you would want him rushing the passer. So you needed somebody. Malik Jefferson was clearly not in their plans because even though he was called up for two consecutive weeks, he didn't get to see the field, defensively speaking. Uh, obviously, Mikel Jones, the UDFA for 2023 that they just signed to their practice squad a few weeks ago was also not the answer. But they needed somebody from the outside. And they got Rashawn Evans, who is kind of like a decent linebacker that, you know, didn't really deliver on his expectations when he entered the NFL, but he also has not been bad. Played 17 games last year and had a career-high number of tackles. So you know that it, he can play. He can play, might not be an elite force or anything like that, but he can give you competent linebacker play in the NFL, and he was probably waiting for an opportunity to get on the field. Now, let's see what you guys have to say. Do you like it or dislike it? Toxic Tom says, does he have a healthy neck? That's the requirement for him. Peter Riso says, I absolutely like it. Mando says, yes. Katharina says, like it. We needed to sign someone, Mo. And I agree. I like it. I like the move. There's not a whole lot that you can talk about in the linebacker market because there were not a lot of options in the first place. So I did enjoy them picking Rashawn Evans. Again, somebody that's been a veteran, somebody that can walk in and not make an impact as in change your defense or anything like that. But once he gets acclimated to the Cowboys defense, I don't believe we're going to see him make a ton of mistakes, right? He's not going to look out of place because he... He's been here before. He's been decent before. And that's pretty much all you need from him. You, you, you don't need him to be better than Leighton Van Der Esch. You don't even need him to get to Leighton Van Der Esch. I would assume Clark is going to get a amount of responsibility with the communicating stuff because that was Van Der Esch. And I won't believe that Rashawn Evans is going to be ready to take on that kind of a role. But it might be Jaron Kears, who has done it before in his Cowboys career. We'll see how it all plays out. But I will say the Rashawn Evans thing doesn't necessarily solve the Micah Parsons dilemma, in my opinion. Because I find it difficult to believe, for example, that Evans is going to be ready to start on Monday Night Football. Not even sure if he's going to be active for that game just because he is just now being signed and it would be risky to get him on the field without a deep knowledge of the defense, especially at a position like linebacker. But 
We'll see how they play their cards. I do think that the Van Der Esch injuries may be worse than we want to admit because I do think that the only answer for the Cowboys is to rotate Micah at linebacker significantly. That's the only way that, in my opinion, you can get through these games. And, and then it's going to be even tougher when you get Austin Eckler back on Monday Night Football because he's a matchup nightmare. He can catch the football. He can run the football. And Kellen Moore is going to be on the other side of the game, but he's done a good job just without Eckler. So I'm guessing that he'll do a good job too versus the versus the Cowboys. I'm going to admit something right now. I'm low-key, and I hope the Cowboys should shut it down, of course, but I'm low-key excited and curious about what Kellen Moore has in his bag for this game. Because you know he's going to have some stuff. You know he's going to have some drawings that he's going to pull out for this game. And I'm kind of intrigued about that aspect of the game. He's going to do it. He's going to have some, some surprises, to put it one way. Some special specials. We'll see how it goes on Monday Night Football. By the way, tomorrow night, we're going to be predicting the game, even if it's Thursday night, and even if it, we have to wait until Monday. And even though we'll have a show on Sunday night, we're probably going to get into some prediction stuff the game so we can keep it on every Thursday, every Thursday, every Thursday. Uh, How's Nelson says, what does excited mean where you're from, Mo? Well, you know, I kind of divide myself into, I don't want to say I have split personalities, but here's what I mean. Obviously, the Cowboy fan in me is not excited about seeing what Kellen Moore has in store because I want the Cowboy just to beat him, obviously. But then in a much more objective way, I am a little bit excited in a geek sense that, hey, I think we're going to see some cool X to know stuff from Kellen Moore on Monday night. And I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that a little bit. That's what I mean by excited, like literally excited. We'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight on the show. Do me a favor and hit the like button. I agree with Toxic. If we lose, we riot. It's going to be a tough game, man. It's going to be a tough game with the injuries, specifically. Going to need a whole lot of adjustment versus a quality team. Because the Chargers really are a quality team. Thank you so much. Hit the like button for me. And I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you to Mando. Thank you to Gregory House, Katharina, everyone who tuned into the show, Ines, and all of you. Thank you so much. Nos vemos mañana, 8 de la noche. Bye, bye.